0: Welcome to the Best Science Medicine Podcast, BS without the BS. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 563rd episode of the Best Science Medicine Podcast. My name is James McCormack,
1: and I'm a professor with the Faculty of Pharmaceutical Sciences at the University of British Columbia. I'm Mike Allen. I'm a family doctor and the director of practice board at the College of Family Physicians of Canada. I'm also an adjunct professor at the University of Alberta.
0: And you know what, Mike? You know what hasn't been talked
1: about enough? Vaccines. Vaccines. And people love them. Oh, they love (laughs) vaccines. They either love them or love to hate them. Yeah, there's a lot of love to hate. uh, Not that all vaccines are dynamite, but like really, it's kind of one of these things that's almost like some of the vaccine successes are almost, it's hard hard not to separate them from gravity. Yeah, (laughs) no, exactly. (laughs) Um, But let's talk about one that's new, and that is um, the RSV, uh, respiratory syncytial virus. And, we and my, know, the
0: fact that you said that correctly, I applaud you. Thank you because
1: usually I butcher the names. Yeah usually the, usually,
0: usually the drug names that are, yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah, you're lucky that I'm still not calling you Emily. Yeah um, <laughs> So yeah, let's uh, let's try and get back to the topic yeah. at hand. So the topic at hand is RSV vaccines. Most of us will think of it with kids because that's where it seems to create the most problems for us. But there is um, an interest in uh, vaccinating older patients to avoid the consequences of this virus. And so we'll talk a little bit about the um, kind of putting it in context of so how much are people at risk for this in a little bit. But first, let's get to the there's there's three vaccines, one a little bit newer than the others, but there's um yeah, there's there's three real vaccines here that I think warrant discussion. And James, you must have seen some advertisements or some promotions of them at different conferences. Oh yeah, today. yeah, a little
0: bit, yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah. And and there's lots of dis- there's lots of discussion about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we sure. know we've. So been, there's
1: yeah. A- yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> trying to be polite. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. It's the new year. <laughs> Good for you. It won't last long. No, I don't. Well, it's, it's almost gone now. Okay. So here we are. We have, this is pretty much 25,000 um, adults over the age of six, uh, 60 or older. If you want the exact number 24,966 that were given a single dose of the adjuvant RSV perfusion F protein vaccine. Yeah. What does all that mean? It's a by brand name.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, uh, the, um, and the study was planned for three years, but like most of these things, there's a marketing issue at hand and they wanted to get the results um, published and all of that. So that comes as the first RSV season. So the total time of follow-up here was 6.7 months. Many of you will know that RSV kind of starts in the fall, peaks, or kind of early, kind of like Kind of early winter and and winter and then it's it's disappearing by the time spring comes. That's for most of us in North and and the northern and southern hemispheres. But in the middle, it goes with rainy seasons and and things like that. But
0: like, like any other virus,
1: any yeah, it, any, it, other,
0: any other respiratory virus,
1: right? It has a season. Yeah. Okay. And so, what did these guys look at? Well, it's it's interesting to reflect on what they looked at. So they looked at something called lower respiratory tract disease. Now, if you're like me, when you hear that, you're thinking that they x-rayed people and prove pneumonia. That is not the case. They, um, only one of the three studies we're going to talk about actually x-rayed, and it was only adjunctive x-rays. They weren't required to have that. So what, what were they talking about? Well, you had to have um, assigner symptoms that were two or more, And three or more. So what were the kind of signs or symptoms? Well, symptoms were sputum, cough, um, shortness of breath. And the signs were things like wheezing, crackles, bronchi, tachypnea, hypoxemia, or requiring O2 supplementation. Some had an escape clause where you could also be um, investigator um, decided that one of the investigators decided this met the criteria in their mind of a low respiratory tract uh, disease. So that's kind of the premise. It's not, it might not be exactly what you're expecting. This isn't patients who were admitted um, or uh, given therapy. They didn't meet criteria through that mechanism. They were just, were, did they have enough signs and symptoms? So
0: I have, looked, and I have looked at some stuff. I know this is, this is your
1: tools of practice, but
0: so how did they determine it was RSV?
1: So they did uh, um, do the um, PCR. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, testing. that's what I would have
0: thought. Yeah, okay,
1: yeah, yeah. So all of these people were PCR, and they they filled out a diary. And if they didn't, they were supposed to contact them when they started to feel sick, and then someone would come out and PCR them within a short period okay. of time. Okay. Yeah. So, so it wasn't. They it wasn't, all that. And it that wasn't was kind of standard for it, a lot of these. It people. wasn't
0: just vague symptoms and and we think you've got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay
1: i have the sniffles okay we'll call that pneumonia yeah, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't anything it wasn't that yeah so, okay but the but they might have looser criteria than you yeah. than other people might imagine yeah okay so let's get back so what is the chance in the placebo group that you're going to meet the criteria of kind of um lower respiratory tract disease and that was uh 0.3 percent in uh 6.7 months versus 0.06% if you'd got the vaccine. So that's about a 0.2% reduction for a number needed to vaccinate to prevent one infection um, of 379. So it's about an 80% efficacy and that stays quite stable actually uh, through the different outcomes. It, It deteriorates a little bit the next year, but it's quite stable um, through the different outcomes, um, whatever your criteria, they had a severe, which means you had to have two clinical signs, not just the symptoms, but two clinical signs or an investigator assessed as severe. This uh, the frequency of this dropped off um, by 2.1% in the placebo group and 0.008% that would be closer to the ninety, James. You were referring right. to. Yeah. The number needed to vaccinate there is seven eighty one. And the big problem with it, it
0: sounds like a huge numbers needed to vac- vaccin- vaccinate, but it's because the
1: baseline is so small. Yeah, that's the. And I kind of joked with our team. It's it's almost like developing you know a prevention of malaria in the Arctic, like mm-hmm. you it's not going to happen very often. So it's going to be hard to show a difference. Yeah, but malaria, not, but
0: malaria is still bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Malaria yeah. is bad. <laughs> and, and
0: you heard it and here it's first. Not,
1: yeah. And, but, and it's it, the, the, you know, the, the joke there, if it was a joke is that it's not there. It's, we don't, we don't get malaria up there unless you're catching it somewhere else and bringing it back with you. Like th- this is something that it's not quite that extreme, but it, it's not happening as much as, um, you know, uh, that that some campaigns to indicate worrisome aspect of RSV, that it does happen, but it's not happening.
0: Yeah. And, and it's important because one of the important caveats, though, is this was done during the COVID-19 pandemic, right? So Right, at the tail end of it. Yeah, right? so at it's really true because if you if remember, you I'm sure you do remember, you know, when you just looked at the regular flu during the COVID epidemic, it was close to zero. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, in fact, it was like the I think first it was, year. Yeah.
1: It was it disappeared. like most respiratory illnesses disappeared. Yeah, like right? they really disappeared because of the intensity of isolation, right? And yeah. These viruses depend on it. For those who've flown in the last uh, six months, know that we're back to normal because yeah, yeah. planes filled with coffers. Yeah, because yeah.
0: I think even <laughs> like I think Australia was reporting almost zero during COVID uh, uh, not COVID, but they were reporting zero flu. And I think yeah. in Canada, I, I, I may have this number a little bit wrong, but I think one of the years of COVID there was a total of seventy.
1: Cases of the flu in Canada. Yeah, no, it was cra- it was crazy how low it got. Yeah. So it, it is absolutely a um an issue here. And so these numbers of 0.3% and mm-hmm. 0.1, they might be off. So we'll have to talk about what does the epidemiology show mm-hmm. of RSV normally. But we'll we'll get to that in a second. So what what are the adverse events? Well, injection site pain was 61% versus 9%. Mm-hmm. So it definitely caused more irritation yeah. um, and then uh, afterwards there were people who reported fatigue um, 34% versus 16% yeah. now as is the standard they don't do stats much anymore on adverse events so yeah, they don't need to guarantee in this case they, you don't need to if you if, if you can show statistically that
0: there's a reduction from 0.3 down to 0.06 or whatever numbers we're talking about Yeah, 34 versus 16 so you can quite comfortably say there's about 20 percent more people end up feeling fatigued with this
1: yeah yeah exactly so so it it does have adverse events those are far more common but they're they're generally minor like Mm um the 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 increase one the, the only one of the three studies reported kind of how bad is it and um uh, in only one to two percent was it bad enough that they needed to like miss a day of work or it affected their normal day yeah. activities which so, is
0: interesting because that would be what getting rsv would maybe would do
1: yeah right yeah, so yeah. So, it's so, a tra- so it was it's, tra- it's, it's, it's
0: if it's one to two percent it's way more than, than <laughs> yeah and again
1: depending on the baseline you know the year yeah the baseline here yeah. okay let's talk about um the the next RCT and I'm going to have you say the name of the vaccine James because I can't even. Wow. I don't even,
0: I I don't even see any vowels in there. No, no, just kidding. Uh, It's A-B-R-Y-S-V-O. I, I did not bring that up. Uh, A bris, uh, who cares? A brisvio.
1: Sure. (laughs) Sure. know it's not. It's kind of like our, yeah, when we did embigoflozin. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I still don't know if we got it right. I know we apparently got it wrong very early. Yeah, we night. got it
1: wrong the first
0: time. But, we all the head. Head. but the whole naming thing drives me nuts because it really
1: someone made it up in the first place. I know. And they come up with which uh, syllables to em- emphasize. Yeah, yeah. The syllables to emphasis. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, okay. 34, this, uh, this RCT had 34,284 adults, again, over the age of 60, getting a single dose mm. of the unadjuvant uh, vaccine and uh, versus placebo and this one was pretty much identical follow-up seven months they had rsv with two signs or symptoms two or more signs or symptoms and their their um placebo rate was 0.2 percent uh, completely off from the 0.3 mm-hmm. percent Oh, completely different <laughs> uh, yeah completely different and it plummeted uh down to 0.07 versus 0.06 again completely different yeah. so This one, because the baseline wasn't quite uh, the same, it was a number needed to vaccinate of 742. And then the three or more symptoms, the um, risk in the placebo group went from, it was 0.08% to have this more severe, three or more signs and symptoms. And it went from 0.08 down to 0.01, number needed to vaccinate, uh, 1,360.
0: I mean, and and local it,
1: reactions. It, Go it, ahead, James.
0: I was going to say those numbers are—they're larger than in almost any vaccine you see, relatively, especially yeah. from from a. But again, it's it's you know if you're talking about eighty percent effective, that's pretty decent. But if it's eighty yeah. percent of almost nothing,
1: you it's a little bit above nothing. Yeah, yeah. if you're ninety nine percent successful at stopping being killed. By an asteroid just hitting a single person or sorry a a meteor it doesn't really matter because the chances are low i think yeah search the literature once i could only find one case where someone was hit by a by a um a meteor
0: yeah and they but they weren't happy
1: about it (laughs) no they weren't they weren't it didn't actually hit them directly it bounced off their bureau um anyway we digress slightly as we do (laughs) We do. Local reactions were 12% versus 7%. No statistics there. So the the questions come up. What about, you know, when we originally presented this, they had data on hospitalizations and things like that, but it wasn't separated out. And so uh, for those of you who are unaware, there's something called um, an MMWR report, uh, mortality, mortality and morbidity Yeah a weekly report and they have, they often have access to FDA kind of data. So surprise, surprise that was available and they had these two, um, these two RCTs summarized. So what did they find? Well, they found that the, and they, they also had available the second year data or, and not all of the second year data was available, but some of the second year data. So for season one, uh, Um, For the first vaccine discussed, it was about an 83% um, efficacy for preventing the lower respiratory tract disease versus about 56% in the second year. And the second vaccine was 89% versus 79% in the second year. So it looks like the efficacy is going down slightly in the second year. And, And to put it into context, when you look at the
0: flu vaccine, you know it goes anywhere from like i think there were one or two years where it didn't do anything up to about 80% and you know i always said it's probably around a typical year is probably between 50 to 60% maybe if it's a good year it's a little bit higher and so on but that's the mm-hmm. that's the relative effectiveness of the
1: of the flu uh, uh, vaccine because it's it's not easy well, the, the trouble with the flu is there's so many variants, yeah. and so you're guessing at which one you're throwing in mm-hmm. the vaccine this year that's going to actually be prevalent. The, right. You know, the kind of top three or something, and you you don't you don't always get it right. Surprising, <laughs> yeah. forecasting is you know what it. Um, yeah, predictions what are, are, often, often
0: diffi- are often difficult, especially about
1: the future. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, a very wise man. So the hospitalization and deaths are, are actually reported uh, in this MMWR report. They're separated um, out by group, but not statistically analyzed. And uh, both the manufacturers and the people who did this report state that the study is not designed to find differences in hospitalization or death. So they didn't analyze statistically. So take that for what it's worth. You know, there is actual merits to that argument, mm-hmm. as well as you some might see it as a um, a, a dodge of um, the more hard concrete outcomes. But anyway, a which was the first one that is goes from um, in the placebo group, 0.04% were hospitalized for RSV versus 0.008% in um, the uh, vaccine group. And if we look at the second study, which is a Breeze that one went from 0.02% down to 0.006%. So these are obviously still very small numbers, right. kind of four in 10,000 going down to kind of 0.8 in 10,000. Mm. So they're they're tiny, they're tiny numbers. It is headed in the right direction and it does support the numbers that we saw with lower respiratory tract disease, but the numbers are small some safety stuff that's, uh, there's no related deaths that were reported for RSV. Uh, So the safety stuff was things like atrial fib that went from kind of a 0.02% or 0.03% and increased to a 0.06 or 0.08% risk uh, with the vaccines. And then the, you know, we're all thinking a lot about Things like guillain Barre and other inflammatory mm-hmm. neurologic events that could happen. Well, three did occur in both um, with both research, uh, so, sorry, with research for both of these vaccines, three in each vaccine group. One was in the non placebo controlled trials for Arexv and um, Abrisvo it was in the randomized control trials and that was uh, three versus zero in placebo. So these are, you know, tiny, tiny numbers. When you're talking about the um, Abrizo was 34,000 studied and half of that would get the vaccine and three of them got it. So that's a tiny number. And is that the, you know, does that represent a real risk or what we don't, the, the, um, the authors of the report were reluctant to, you know, suggest. They just wanted to report the numbers, and I, I think it's fair. It's hard to tell yeah. when the numbers are so small.
0: Yeah, but but the, all of the numbers are small, and like even if you look at the atrial fibrillation, the 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 it, it's if, tiny. If, no, but it is. But if if you put it on, it's, it's you're seeing as much increase in atrial fibrillation as you are prevention of RSV. Yeah, certainly the serious stuff like yeah.
1: the. This is a head scratcher. It's yeah. really tough to know what to what to do because the event rates in this study were low, mm-hmm. and and is it because of that? Is it because of what you brought up with the you know at the end of the the COVID mm-hmm. um, pandemic, or is it uh, or is it is it always like this? Yeah. So we'll we'll get to a little bit of that, but we won't we don't actually know, um, and if we get raw data from more of the numbers, we'll have a better sense. Mm-hmm of What the real risk is. Um, so one last vaccine came out. It doesn't have a vaccine name. Fortunately, we don't have to butcher a name. Mm-hmm. But this is a um, this is an mRNA. So manufactured by the company Moderna. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you we don't usually mention company names, but the reason is they're 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 kind of were big for the COVID vaccine and mRNA right. vaccines. This is thirty five thousand five hundred or so patients, and um, again over the age of sixty. This was only followed for four months. The numbers are obviously like they're so much similar. So two or more signs or symptoms, 0.3 again, down to 0.05, 381 number needed to treat or number needed to vaccinate. Yeah, almost identical per- to the first one. Yeah. And then three signs and symptoms, 0.1 down to 0.02. So like these are, the, all of these vaccines to me seem almost mirrors, Um mm-hmm. Uh, 1,251, and similar kind of adverse events. So really nothing like, you know, if you remember a little bit of one of these, you'll know them all. Yeah. Um, it All of these are industry funded. They're during the pandemic. And high-risk patients were generally not included. So there is some that the some have around 30-some percent of patients with comorbidities, but they're all stable and doing well. So it's not patients who are, you know, on chemotherapy from – you know, a type of cancer and you're worried about their risk, so you give them this. It's not people who, they did include HIV people, but uh, patients with HIV, but those were patients, again, very stable with high CD4 counts, etc., and viral, low viral counts. So they had, they had criteria to get in, but they were generally healthier people. Only 1% in one, in one study, 1% were long-term care, mm-hmm. but those were, Um, people living independently in a long-term care type facility considered high functioning. So we're not seeing the type of people that we might think first of in our practice because they're at the highest risk and therefore maybe get more benefit.
0: Yeah. So, so when you give it a bit of context, I mean, one of the first things to talk
1: about is the cost. Right. So the, the cost of this vaccine for a is $250 for an injection um, and that's a rough estimate right now from what we mm-hmm. what we could find. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, we don't have a breeze full. We don't have the the cost of it yet. It just recently got approved. And, of course, the mRNA vaccine is not approved yet, even in Canada. So we don't know the cost of that one as well. But uh, a REXV is $250 um, per vaccine. And uh, we don't have actual clear clinical guidelines yet from uh, the national advisory committee um, on immunizations. That's the Canada group. Um, They say that they're coming out soon, but there is one from the United States um, and they, uh, they even have a decision age, which is not the decision age is not great, but it's still something. Um, And it just helps you weigh patient kind of preference and, and, um, costs and all of those things helps weigh that a little bit so i I think we should talk a tiny bit about what is rsv normally what's your risk kind of thing and so for people over the age of 50 we could find data and they're running at about a one and a half to five percent risk per year of getting RSV. Mm -hmm. now that doesn't mean it's that it could uh for many people feel like a cold so The question, the next question is, you know, what is your risk of uh, hospitalization? Uh, Because they don't have, we don't collect data, uh, epidemiologic studies don't collect data on two or more symptoms, three or more symptoms. We wouldn't wouldn't have that. So the next thing up from just did they catch it is um, hospitalization. And a meta-analysis kind of summarized that at uh, 0.15% per year. So not dissimilar to what they found in the study. If you imagine that two or more symptoms or three or more symptoms might mm-hmm. put you in hospital, but still it's it's less than it's less than the point three percent. It's 0. 0.15. That's the average over time. And then the question is, you know, what's your chance of dying when you get into hospital? Well, that so you have to remember your chance of ending up in hospital is somewhere around 0.15%. And your chance of dying if you end up in hospital with this is around seven to fifteen percent. Yeah, so about a tenth of that number. Yeah, about a tenth of that number exactly. And so, what what makes you higher risk? Well, it's all the things that you would think: advancing age, long term care, and comorbidities like chronic kidney disease or COPD. Yeah,
0: and and the so if we assume like the 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 highest number that you gave me of what's the chance of getting RSV is five percent which is kind of where we see the flu most years. It's around five. If it's a bad year, it's about 10%, but it, it rarely goes down to the lowest number there, that at least th- that I've seen, 1.6%. So it looks like RSV, even in a bad year, is not as
1: uh, common as the flu. And yeah. That, so there's lots know. of research on that, James. As you know, there is there is research showing it declined in the pandemic, and you mm-hmm. brought that up quite, quite rightly. But the but the majority of the studies, when we looked, they found um, that uh, influenza is more common yeah, than RSV. That sense, yeah. And that varied. In fact, we, we re-looked at the data. And one of them, we, you know, if we calculated from an, uh, the full data set on one of them, it went up to 20 times higher risk of influenza to yeah. RSV. But then it went all the way down to the same risk. So, yeah, yeah. it's exactly what yeah. you say. It's either going to be similar to, or flu is going to be a lot more common. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, and and, and, and it's really important to know because that is the, det- in my, as, you know, as you look at this data, if the baseline is anywhere similar to to what it was during COVID, uh, boy, you, I, I, I can't imagine any, <laughs> even if you've got a wonderful shared decision-making thing, I can't imagine it would, anyone would go, oh yeah, I'd like to get it. I mean, the numbers yeah. are, the, the harm is above relatively speaking, if it depends on how you look at all, uh, you know, and then you got the cost and, and certainly even if it's only 10% or 20% of people feel fatigued. So the key, I would have thought the key process is what's the frequency going to be. And that's even hard to predict, but if it comes back to, you know, if it
1: was five to 10% a year,
0: then now we're talking something very similar to what we see with the flu shot.
1: Yeah. If it, if it is the 5%, but don't forget that's, that's 5% of, rsv illness of any type yeah 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 Uh, so it's not necessarily bad illness which is what they measured they did measure the the other risks as well like the general um rsv the risk of of rsv um in you know kind of uh like of any type Mm -hmm. um, of infection and not the more severe so so these general numbers like if again if we're just looking at you know, any RSV infection, respiratory infection, the the numbers are kind of m- much less. So I'm going to give you their numbers and then I'm going to tell you what's wrong with them. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. So the, so they report um, kind of average numbers for a year, but what they're doing there is they're changing, they're keeping their um numerator the same but changing their denominator Mm. Um, because they're saying well it was really only half a year so we have to do it as patient years and that that kind of thing and and by doing that you're kind of assuming that the rate of rsv stays the same throughout the year which we've said is not true it's not 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 really not not really the case so if you imagine their kind of modeled numbers it's 14 in a thousand for any rsv versus about four in a thousand Mm -hmm. if you're in the vaccine group so you went from 14 to four now if you don't use their numbers that baseline of 14 per thousand or if you like 1.4 percent drops to 0.7 percent so it's about half um of their relative or or relatively to what they say it's about half so about goes from 1.4 percent down to 0.7 percent really in the bottom line It's still looking like the rate that even if we even if we give them the benefit of the doubt and say that the rate really was one point four percent over a year. Right. It's still not we're still not seeing numbers that was mentioned in the epidemiologic studies. So is it is it the um, is what's happening, the 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 covid pandemic effect or is it just that it's not as common as we thought? We don't know. Um, yet, but even the most basic RSV illness, we're not seeing big differences in right, right.
0: So I mean, so I guess basically the bottom line though is, it, it looks like the vaccine has an effect. It sure does. You know, yeah. About about you know about an eighty percent relative benefit. It certainly seems to be associated with uh, you, you, about I'd say ten to twenty percent of people feeling kind of yucky afterwards about yep. placebo. Uh, you do have the potential of the atrial fibrillation in numbers that are, if, if the chance of getting RSV is really way down, like some of the numbers we talked about, it kind of balances it all out. So really, I think the decision would come down to whether or not what what the chance of RSV is in a particular year. And that's not always easy to come by.
1: No, it's not. We, we don't know. And we don't know, like, and it will depend on... The patient's baseline risk so if you're a really frail older person those are the people we think will benefit from vaccines usually the most and they're not really studied well mm-hmm. no exactly here at all. so which is not not unusual it's a it's a common occurrence yeah. so yeah more research hopefully will help define this and and i hate saying that because we have these are big rcts mm-hmm. and we should have enough data but the argument the argument as you pointed out james is all around the baseline risk and that is potentially reduced yeah, so yeah. which would affect number needed to vaccinate and everything yeah yeah exactly no so
0: that's good uh, so it's a lot of work to put this sort of stuff together but it's good that there are randomized controlled trials it gives us some information to go yeah it, it has an effect but it's like anything else you need to you can have a drug or a vaccine that works you need to know what the chances is if you didn't
1: take it (laughs) and that's 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 the whole thing you have to know what it is and right now those are really it's really low right now from from the available data we have not necessarily from the observational data but from the randomized control trial so uh
0: you know i think so anything else you want to talk about with regards to this i don't
1: no we have beaten it to death yeah yeah, i think as usual
0: yeah yeah. yeah. it's now in. but it's it's done so the only thing it's giving the
1: signal yeah throw the towel we're done Yeah. yeah
0: So, the only thing I'd suggest, let, like, like to let people know is that we've got our annual spring com- uh, conference coming up in uh, Vancouver, May 24th and 25th. We've got almost all the speakers lined up with some really cool topics. Uh, that are going to be presented. Uh, we would love it if people would uh, go and have a look. If you go to hectox.com, you can find out all about uh, that course. Uh, actually, I don't think we've, uh, we haven't finalized the course completely, so you won't see the topics yet, but we're going to open registration, I think the first week of February. So we would love it if you could attend along with all the other, we had 300 people last year attend, uh, about two thirds were online, so it'd be great if you could attend. And uh, anything else, Mike? Nope, that's it, James. Thanks. Yeah, so I think we'll leave it at that. So thanks, as always, for listening.